0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from Pastor Louis Clemente. Well, I'm Lewis, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, if we haven't met. Um, Obviously brought my own cheering session this morning, so definitely not getting paid, if you know what I mean, like that's not going to happen, so. He got real quiet when I said that, though, did you hear that? (laughs) But uh, man, excited to be here with you. Happy Father's Day to the dads out there. Happy Father's Day. To my own dad, wherever he is, to Happy Father's Day, just want it to be on the record that I said it, so even if you didn't hear it, I've said it, Happy Father's Day, Dad. And uh, also, Pastor Derek, I know that, uh, so if you don't know Pastor Derek, um, he may be on vacation, but he never really unplugs from what happens here at Celebration, like he's, he's got a problem, I pray for him quite often, but uh, Pastor, if you're watching this service as well, hope you're, just shut it off and go do something else, all right, it's, it's fine, you're good to go. Um, I've got two things that I'm going to do here this morning with you. One, I'm going to preach the gospel. Two, I'm going to get us out of here quick because I got an after-church nap to get to, all right? That's my Father's Day gift to myself, so dads, for Father's Day, hope you gift that. Ladies, if you haven't gotten anything for your husband for Father's Day, it's a great thing to do. I got you an after-church nap. It's a huge win if you had forgotten about Father's Day, just a little tip for you, but In all honesty, I am really excited to uh, bring this word to you. Uh, We're going to be continuing with the series Acts chapter 16 this week is where we're going to preach out of today. And uh, if you do me a favor, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word if you are able. Acts chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 10. Verse 10 says, after Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him, to them. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, She invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Verse 16, once we were going to a place of prayer. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. (laughs) I love this verse. It's so like real. She kept it up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. I'm going to use that on my kids next time they're annoying to me. Just kidding. That's That's not. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Uh, today's message, if you're looking at the notes, we're calling it giving the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you for your word that you've called us to bring, to share. And Jesus, today I pray that we would have open ears to hear you, Holy Spirit, and how you want us to be able to follow you. Use me today to be able to bring your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Like I said, I want to talk, the title of the message is Giving the Gospel. Now, when I say giving, I think all of us understand what giving is. We give gifts at Christmas and birthdays. We give of ourselves for our family and our friends. We understand giving. All of us here understand giving except my two-year-old, who has no idea what give is. Uh, He thinks when I say give, it means run in the opposite direction as fast as you can, especially if whatever I want from him is in his mouth. I don't know why that's the thing. I'm like, please don't choke, but just give it to me. So everybody else here, we understand what giving means. But the other word in this, gospel, that's the one I want to explain a little bit because gospel has become a very churchy word. Like you're not like out like the water cooler at work, you know, using the word gospel in your normal conversation. It's a little bit of a, a weird churchy word. But what does it mean? Let's take a quick look here because for some of us we could say gospel and be talking about the first four books of the New Testament. You know, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark. We could mean that. Or for some of us we could use the word gospel and be talking about the life of Jesus, the story of what Jesus did here on the earth in the flesh. Or for some, we could say it's the good news. It's how you and I, we receive Jesus and our lives are changed. We don't have to live in hell anymore. Like, that's the gospel. But what I want to take a look at this morning to kind of start us off is what did the gospel mean to Jesus? What did the word gospel mean to Jesus? Or, or Paul, when he sees here, he get, it says, We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What? Did the gospel mean to Paul in that moment? For that, we need to look at this, the origin of this word. It's a Greek word, and it's, uh, if, you, if you look at it in Greek, it's the word euongilion. Did I practice that to make sure I got it right beforehand? Yes, I did. Uh, euongilion. And now euongilion was not a word that like Jesus made up to like, okay, this is it, this is the story of me. But it was a Greek word that had been used for close to 100 years before Jesus ever came. And you see this euangelion, what would happen is if the emperor, if there was a new emperor coming into power, maybe the old emperor had passed away or there was a coup to overthrow him, there was a new emperor, that new emperor would send people out to all the, end, the ends of the kingdom sending out the euangelion to them, sending out the gospel to these people that there was a new king and a new kingdom and what that kingdom stood for. So now take it back. Jesus, we see him here. He's sending out. He tells his disciples, hey, preach the Gileon, Bring the Gileon to the ends of the earth. He's saying, go out and tell them that there is a new kingdom. Tell them that there is a new king and what I stand for. I, I, when I look at that, I'm like, man, that is so good. But imagine to the people what that would have been like. So Paul, let's just use him as an example. He's coming in and, you know, he's, hey, I've got a, I've got a new gospel for you. And there's like. The king died? Like, no, no, he's fine. Then what are you talking about? His name's Jesus. He's the new king. But you said the king's still here. Yeah, different kingdom. People are like, well, I, I don't want to pay more in taxes. Like, that, a new kingdom, I'm good. Thanks for nothing. No, no, no. This kingdom brings freedom. It would have been a total change to the way that people saw stuff. It would have been so exciting for people to say, hey, I, I want a part of this kingdom, not the one that's here on earth. In church today... It's the same thing for us. We are called, we are being sent out to bring the new kingdom, to tell people about the kingdom. That no longer do they have to live the way that they were, but man, there's a new king and there's hope this morning. I'm already preaching and I haven't even got to the points yet. All right, we gotta, we gotta move on from this. All right, so what I wanna do today is I wanna take a look at these three people. So Paul is called, he feels like God has called him to go and preach the gospel. We see three different stories of people where Paul encounters them, brings the gospel, and the gospel changes them. Three very different people, three very different stories, and how that can affect us here today. So the first one, if you've got your notes with you, the first point there is a gospel for the rich. I don't know if rich is the right word, but it started with an R, and all these points are going to start with R today, so it's the one that we're going with. But We we look at this story here, I'll read a little bit here, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gates to a river where we're expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of the listeners was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, Let's stop and take a quick look at Lydia. I did a little bit of my homework to try to understand her and her backstory. Now, the dealer in purple cloth, which would have meant that she had some money. You know what I mean? She was well to do when it came to the financial piece. Um, Cloth at that time, it was very uncommon to find it dyed. um, And so she was a dealer of it. So she was a business woman who had some money. And it says that she's got, most likely, she's got two houses because she's got the house here in Macedonia, but she also has one in Thyatira where she's from. So she's got two houses. I like to think of Lydia. She lives on Lake Minnetonka, and she's got a house, you know, up north as well. You know, she's got the cabin. She's got it all together. So a woman like that, why would the gospel speak to her? See, I think our culture prides itself on having it all Together, We have what some would call social media syndrome. Stop and think. If we're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, all we see are the the things that people are doing, the, the good things that people are doing. You see their, you know, their family get together. You see their vacation, whatever it is. And sometimes we can stop and see that and be like, man, they've got it all together. What's wrong with me? Now, um, I'm a... I'd I like to say I'm an 80s kid, but it was 89, so it doesn't really count. But anyway, and some of you guys like hate me because I just said how old I am. Yep, there it is. But um, I, I'm a huge fan of the GOAT when it comes to basketball, Michael Jordan. And if you have a different thought on who the GOAT is in basketball, that's okay. You can be wrong. But I love watching Michael Jordan highlight reels. I mean, there is just something about, I mean, he just did things that were ridiculous. The buzzer beaters, the going in, like, somehow he, like, went through nine different guys to get to the basket. There's only five on the court. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, MJ was the man. And nowadays, if you want to go back and see anything of Michael Jordan play, it's all his highlight reels. It's all the amazing things. It's the buzzer beaters. It's the three-point shots. But let me tell you, Michael didn't always have great games. He didn't always make it to the finals, but he did always win them. Um, He didn't always make it to the finals. He didn't always hit the buzzer beater. He didn't always, you know, whatever it is. He got the ball stolen from him quite often. But if all we're looking at is highlight reels, we will have no idea that Michael Jordan ever had a bad day. Church, I think when it comes to social media and these different things, we are only focusing on people's highlight reels and comparing our life to that. Church, let me just encourage you today. There are some people that you can go, even right now, I'll let you go on your phone and delete them from Facebook because you don't need it. Like, it is okay to separate yourself from that because, church, let me tell you, these people aren't all that they're put out to be on social media. You see, we put the best parts of our life out there for everyone to see. We show our vacations, our new cars, our nights out with friends. From the outside, it looks like we have it all together. But what if your social media showed what real life looked like? You know, like a selfie of like the 3 a.m. and your kids like thrown up in bed and you're like, ha, yeah. <laughs> or a picture of like the, the credit card statement comes in, you're like, I can't pay that. Yeah, take a photo, there you go. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Or a picture of the scale with your heaviest weight. You're like, thought I'd look cute. i take it down. <laughs> Might also be a sumo wrestler next week. We'll see. Whatever. But we love putting our best self forward. But the truth is, all of us without Jesus are missing something. No matter how hard we try to put ourselves together, all of us, if we take time to look, try our best to do it on our own, but we'll always come up lacking. Lydia had all the things that the world around her told her that she needed. She had all the things, the status, the money, all of it, but she was still looking. My wife, especially earlier in our marriage, loved puzzles. I was like, I'm enough of a puzzle, but that's fine. But um, she loved putting puzzles together. I'm talking like the big puzzles, like 10,000 piece puzzles. You know, it takes you hours to put together. And now I, I do not have the bandwidth for that. I'm like a half an hour looking for one piece. No, thank you. I'm gonna flip the table and go do something else like that's, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. But she would like sit there for hours and put these together. And now I found out something though. Puzzles, are expensive if you buy them new. Like, I had no idea. I'm like, it's just a cardboard cutout. Why are we paying this much money for this? Like, I don't understand. But I found a hack. You can go to the thrift store and find them for much cheaper. But there's one small problem with thrift store puzzles. You get, you get a 10,000-piece puzzle, you start putting it together, and it's not till the very end where you realize, no, you have a 9,999-piece puzzle. Like, what, what am I doing with this? And here's the thing. Like, you would think... I have 9,999 pieces. I'm only missing one, but if you look at the picture, the picture is still incomplete without that one piece. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter how much of your life you have put together, if you don't have Jesus, the whole puzzle is not put together. (sighs) You see, Lydia's life was incomplete. Her puzzle was not fully put together, and she was open to the gospel. Yeah. I think all of us here today are a few piece, puzzle pieces short of a puzzle. I actually didn't think that one through fully. Like, through Pastor Dan, he is a few puzzle pieces short of a puzzle. I don't know if that's not. But all of us, I think we don't have it together. But if we don't have Jesus, we have none of it. And this morning, I, I'm not ending yet, but I, I want to just take a moment and talk to you if you're here today and you don't have that Jesus peace you're looking at the the puzzle that is your life and you're saying you know I, honestly I don't have that Jesus peace I believe today is the day that you can find that peace today is the day that you can have that to make your life whole yes. we'll get to that in a little bit let's go to point number 2 so we talked about Lydia we'll get back to her in just a second but point number 2 is a gospel for the rejected A gospel for the rejected. Verse 16, once when they were going to the place of prayer, we we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, I found that interesting. That's what their hope was in. Their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So let's just... Take a look at this girl for a second. So, if Lydia lived, you know, the lady before Lydia, if she lived on Lake Minnetonka with her house up north as well, this slave girl was a homeless drug addict living in North Minneapolis. That is the division that we see here. She is taken advantage of because of her condition, she is exploited for the gain of these men. From our standards, she has it bad. And I love that Luke, as he's writing here, puts those two stories back to back. Luke is showing here, hey, it doesn't matter if you've got it all together or if your whole life is falling apart, the gospel is for you. I don't care if it's Yale or jail, the gospel is for you. What I find interesting is what it says. It says it takes Paul many days to get to her. And honestly, I don't understand. Like, isn't this the exact type of person that needs the gospel? Like, if we're like, well, I'm like, yeah, a drug addicts. Exp- I mean, she has a demon. Like, isn't this exactly the person that needs the gospel? But it says it takes Paul many days until he confronts it. And honestly, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it is the fear of prison, like, ends up happening to them. I don't know if they saw it as like a walking billboard for their ministry. Like, I mean, she is saying the right thing She's going through. I'm not sure about a lot of why Paul did exactly what he did here. But what I do know is that she had the truth, but the truth did not have her. I mean, look, look quick at what it says here. It says, she's shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She understands, she knows the truth, but the truth hasn't gotten a hold of her yet. She doesn't have the truth in her life. I I think of it this way. So uh, my birthday was just a couple weeks ago and uh, I like gift cards for my birthday because I don't trust other people to be able to get me what I want. So there it is, all right? Trust issues, pray for me. But I like getting gift cards because I can go get what I want or whatever. And uh, I had some friends, uh, Kevin and Jackie, they got, me some, uh, they got me a gift card to Von Hansen's Meat Market or whatever it's called, The, the Von Hansen's. Anybody else like... I'm so excited about this gift card. Like, I, I've never actually been to Van Hansen's because I like, walked in once and I saw the prices and I'm like, I'm going back to Cub. You know what I mean? Like, that was just the, the way it was. But I have, this, and it's a cool looking gift card too. It's like, it's like a certificate. You know what I mean? Like, it's long. It's on paper. It's not that plastic stuff. It's a, it's a good looking gift certificate. They've given it to me. I have that gift certificate. It's at home. It's on the counter. I have it. But you know what I don't have? I don't have ribs in my freezer right now. I don't have, you know, steaks from Von Hansen's yet. Why? Because I haven't done anything with that gift certificate. It's the same thing. Like, we could know everything there is to know about the gospel. We could study the word. We could have every bit of this memorized. But if we haven't let Jesus become the Lord of our life, it means nothing. Nothing. And I think that's what we see with this girl here. She understands, she has some knowledge of what they're doing, but it hasn't gotten a hold of her. You see, I think Paul could have preached the gospel to her forever and nothing would have changed for her. For her. But it was when her life was changed from the inside out that she could receive it. She had a supernatural encounter and that is when things changed. Yes. I like to think of it, you know, if you, any of you guys were at men's breakfast or have heard a little bit of Pastor Josh's story, you see, for me, when I heard the gospel, I was a lot like Lydia. Like, when I actually heard it and understood what it was, I was like, oh, yeah, it's for me. I'm in. Boom. Done. But for Pastor Josh, he had heard it. His roommate was talking about it. And it took a supernatural encounter, a night in his room where he felt like there was, like, some demonic attacks. And Jesus showed up, and that's what it took for him. You see, church, this isn't a one-size-fits-all gospel. The gospel may be for everybody, but specifically is how it wants to speak to us. And you and I are called to be the ones that bring that gospel. You and I are called to listen to the Holy Spirit and find out. Paul does not have a script on how this was going to work out, but he listened to the Holy Spirit and he responded. You see, these two stories, the gospel was brought, but it took different circumstances for each of them to receive it. Let's go to point three, and I'll kind of bring some of this back together. A gospel for the regular, a gospel for the regular. There's probably a Metamucil joke in there, but we're going to leave it alone as of right now. So what happens is they go, Paul casts out the demon. These guys that, you know, the, the slave owners get really mad, and they end up throwing Paul and Silas into prison. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. suddenly, The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out asking, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So we have the two extremes here. We've got the, the rich. We've got the rejected. And now I think we come to the middle portion, the regular. Because what I, can, I can see that the rich need the gospel after we look through. I can see that the rejected need the gospel. But what about regular people? look at this guy and I see him as like a normal middle-class dad. That today, later on, you know, he'd be after his after-church nap, you know, he'd have the grill open and he'd have, you know, high white socks on with his, you know, sandals, you know, some shorts. Like, he'd be out there mowing the grass today. He was a normal dad. Most likely ex-military because that's the type of people that got the jobs that he has. He was a blue-collar, hard-working guy. I don't think he was somebody like Lydia who was searching per se but he also wasn't somebody who was totally messed up like the slave girl. I wouldn't say that he was a bad guy like he was against the message that Paul was bringing here. He was just doing his job and doing it well. For what I can see here, he is someone who had pride in the work that he was doing. It says that when he came in, he brings them to the inner cell. He makes sure that their chains are locked. He, he, he does the thing. He stays there that night to make sure that things are done. And when I look at him, I, I, I kind of think to myself, man, this is a guy I think who maybe finds his identity in what he does. I think all of us to some sort, some degree have that. If somebody asks you, oh, what do you do? Our mind goes to, oh, our job, whatever it is. I, I want my identity to be in something different. I want, like, I think it's a little bit weird, though, if somebody comes like, what do you do? Man, I'm a son of Jesus. You know, I mean, that might be a little extreme, but, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, whichever. But, like, our identity, what is it found in? I think this jailer's identity was found in what he did. He did it well. He moved on. But the jailer was faced with something that did not compute for him when it came to what he, know, what he knew, what he had seen before. As a jailer, if the prison doors open, the people leave. That's just the normal thing. And as I was reading through this and, and praying the other night about this passage and about the jailer, and, and you see the earthquake happen. I look down, I'm like, there's the miracle. Or you see the chains fall off. There's the miracle But for the prison guard, that's not what he saw. That's not the thing that changed him. I think for the prison guard, like this is an area where there would have been lots of earthquakes. Like sure, I mean, it was bad circumstances that happened on that night and at that cellar and the doors opened up. But I don't think that he saw that and was like, there's the miracle. But when Paul yelled out, don't harm yourself, something happened in him. I don't think he had ever seen anybody like that before. This man was different. I believe Paul practiced what he preached. When I was in uh, college, I had the opportunity to travel with a motivational speaker. Uh, His name was Reggie. And me and Reggie, would he's kind of a a spiritual dad, so kind of cool to talk about him on Father's Day. But um, one of those guys that you see from the stage and, like, everybody in the crowd gets saved at the end of his message, you know what I mean? Like, even I'm like... (laughs) Again, like, let's do it again. I wasn't saved before. I'm saved now. You know, like, he, amazing communicator. What I really, what really changed my life with Reggie wasn't the words he said from the stage, but it was the life he lived behind the stage. You see, he was a man of integrity. He was on the road over 300 days of the year. He was doing all of these things, but the life that he showed on the stage was also the life that he lived behind it. He was the same guy. He had every opportunity to do what he wanted, to drop the ball, to not live that life, but he chose to because he was real. Now, church, I'm not saying that we have to be perfect people, but there's something about the life that we live, the testimony that our life shows that is going to be impactful to people around us. I think it was more the life that Paul lived. Nobody was watching. It wasn't the big crowds out there. Paul should have left. I mean, like, the the miracle had happened, right? Paul should have just got up and ran away. But he did what was right, even though it was inconvenient, and something changed in the jailer that day. Something changed when he saw a man like that. Sometimes it's how we react in a situation that speaks the most clearly to someone. Paul could have cast out a demon or spoke until he was blue in the face, but it took living a life that backed up that he was preaching that reached this man. Band, if you guys are back there or out here, wherever, band, come on up, you guys are good, take your time, I don't care. <laughs> but we're gonna start closing up here. My closing statement, if you got it there, is a gospel for everyone. Gospel for everyone. And for that, I wanna read real quick, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It's a passage of scripture that all of us know, um, if you've been in church any amount of time, like you've, you've probably heard this passage. It's Jesus at the very end. He's about to ascend to heaven. He says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. What I want to do is I want to use Mark 16, 15 here. I want to use that passage of scripture to kind of uh, decode a little bit those three stories that we shared about and how they apply to us real quickly. First, we are the messengers. Jesus tells them in that Mark passage to go. Just like Paul, we are on assignment to be messengers of that Gileon, to bring the good news of the new kingdom. None of us today are getting a pass. All of us are on assignment. For some, that might be to the ends of the earth. To others, that might be to the, ends of the, to the end of your block. But all of us are. Are called. And this should not be a burden on us. This is not one more thing that we have to do. This should be something that we have to do. That to our very being, it's like, man, I need to go. I need to talk to people. At night, a lot of times, my wife and I, after we put the kids to bed, we'll sit on the couch and decompress. Those of you with kids understand. and a lot of times my wife will be doing something productive, like reading a book or something, I'm like, Pfft, smart things. I am on my phone going through videos, you know, dumb videos or whatever. And I'll be going through these videos, and all of a sudden I'll come on one that I find is hilarious. I'll, I'll be like, oh, that is so funny. My wife will like laugh at this or whatever. And I'll stop my wife from whatever she's doing, annoy her, to show her this video. I normally get an eye roll or a little bit of a chuckle. But I need to show her. It's built of each of us that when we find something that we're excited about, we need to share it with other people. If I'm that way with a stupid video on Facebook, how much more should I be about the Savior that lives in me? Church, there's a hope that I have that I need to share with others. Where is that excitement in me? The second thing that we see here is the gospel is for everyone. First it says go and then it says into all the world. You know Christianity is the only religion that doesn't have like a a home base that it's had the whole time. Think about Islam, Middle East, Buddhism, China, Hinduism, India, like all of them have spots that would be their headquarters. But look at Christianity. It started in the Middle East moved to its headquarters being Europe, then moved to North America. Now we see that Africa and South America have more Christians than the North America and Europe combined. It doesn't even matter. Like these these places, people are coming to Jesus in droves. The gospel is for everyone. And it's not just a race, but also social status. There's a prayer that Jewish men used to pray. Back in this time, like Paul would have definitely have prayed this prayer, especially, I mean, he was a, um, you know, he followed the law. He did all these things. And the prayer went like this. Dear God, thank you that I am not a woman, that I am not a slave, and that I'm not a Gentile. And here we see as Paul is starting the new church, his first three people, a woman, a slave, a Gentile, because the gospel does not discriminate. The very people that thought, oh man, they can't do much were the ones that he used to start the church. What we have been given, this gospel that we're called to bring, breaks down barriers. Last thing, real quick. The tactics will vary. I I said a verse, tactics might not be the right thing because we're not trying to get people to get them, to get more numbers. We have hope. We have the missing piece. We have the very thing that people need, and we get to share it with them. But it says this, uh, there's a a quote by, it's normally said, it's St. Francis of Assisi's. I don't actually know if it is, but it says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And a lot of times we use that passage of scripture to not talk to somebody. No, my life is living the, you know, the gospel, it's fine. Which is part of it, for sure. But there's also part that we need to go out and talk to people. But what Paul shows us here in this passage is that there is no cut and dry script of how people are going to respond to the gospel. But it is our job to be people that are open to respond to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to. Lydia was ready. It just took a conversation. For the slave girl, it took a life-changing move of God. For the jailer, it took seeing a life devoted to God. It's up to us to live our life listening to the Holy Spirit and responding. So today, I just want to take a moment Maybe you're here and that first piece with Lydia. You look at that, you're like, you know, Pastor, when I look at my life, when I look at the puzzle of my life that Jesus' peace is missing, in just a moment I'm going to give an opportunity for you to receive that. Or maybe you look at the slave girl and you see her story you're like, Pastor Lewis, my life is a mess. I can totally relate to what's going on with her. I I know a lot of the right things, but man, I'm not in the right place. And you want Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life. Today is the day. Or maybe you're like the jailer this morning. You look around, you've seen all these people, you've watched Christians. You're like, man, there's more hypocrites in the church than where else. Yeah, where else are they supposed to be? But this is the place where all of us are getting changed and moving forward. If today you're looking at that and going, you know, Pastor Lewis, I I need that. I need that in my life today. Today Today's the day. Today's the day. So if you do me a favor, if everybody around the room, just close your eyes, bow your head with me for just a moment. Today you're in this room and you're not right with God, but you want to be. Today you want to make him the Lord of your life. Fill the puzzle piece. Get out of being that mess. I believe today is the day. In just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, just raise your hand up quick. Nobody's looking around. I'll count to three, and then you can raise your hand. If that's you, we'll, we'll pray a prayer, all of us here together. But, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for each person in this room. Jesus, you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly where it is. And, Holy Spirit, I believe that you are speaking right now to individuals in this room, that you're showing them that missing piece. You're showing them the mess. You're showing them all of these things. And Jesus, I just pray right now that they'd hear your voice and respond. So if that's you, you're not right with God, but you want to be. I'm just going to count to three and then raise your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Hands up all around the room. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands back down. Celebration, do me a Would you stand with me here? This morning, still this morning. Would you stand with me? What we're gonna do is I'm just gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna ask everybody, whether you raise your hand or not, to repeat that prayer with me. And then we're gonna conclude here this morning. But would you all repeat this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die for me. Today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Have your way, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to me so I can live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, in just a moment, if you, if you raise your hand, there is, there's some stuff that we want to do. It's nothing crazy. Pastor Josiah, will kind of walk you through it in just a little bit. We've got some resources for you want to help you, Um, not just making a decision now, but something that's lived out. But for the rest of us here today, we're on mission. We've been called into the world, and even though this passage in Acts is not a script on how we're supposed to do it, we can't just follow the lines, we are called to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond everywhere we go. Church, this morning, I don't know about you, but I want a renewed excitement. I want to be used by God in my community, in my neighborhood, in the store, wherever I go. I want to be used. I I know that I'm not called to go overseas, but I am called to be right where I am, sharing the gospel. So church, what I want to do in just a moment, I'm going to have the band uh, sing the song. What I want us to just take a moment and to pray and say, Holy Spirit, how can you use me? How can I bring the gospel to the world? Around me. I'm going to pray and the band's going to play here this morning. Heavenly Father, use us. I'm not okay just gliding through this walk. I want to do what you called me to do. I want to be somebody who goes and brings the gospel because you've called me to and you've equipped me to. Jesus, I pray that like Paul, you would guide me through the Holy Spirit use us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the tenth time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.